AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Wheat futures led a short covering rally with corn following to post modest gains. The soy complex was again under pressure with rain working its way into the forecast for Brazil's northern production areas. Live cattle and feeders were lower while lean hog futures finally caught a short covering rally to close sharply higher. From the ongoing sideways news grind via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we'll chat with Brian Split from agmarket.net. And directly following the news, Oliver Slope from Blue Line Futures. I, a handsome newsman, Davis Michelson, and now the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. I am not exactly sure what is happening out there, Davis. Uh, huh? Looking out the windows of the bunker. Uh-huh. And... I look up through the trees, mm-hmm. and there's these patches of blue. And and on the on on the ground, it's like mm-hmm. areas are lit up on the ground. Ah. I, I don't know what's happening. Well, I see you've you've uh, deployed your specialized goggles. Let me put mine on right quick here. Just okay. All right. Yeah. You know, I think you're right. Yeah, it's <laughs> called sunshine. I think. Is that what that is? I believe it is. Wow. It, it has not happened for a while up here in northeast Iowa, but we've got some scattered sun uh, happening right now. 30 degrees. I'm going to call it a beautiful January day. Okay. It's really good. Yeah. Are you sure you haven't had too much sun? I mean, a beautiful no. January day. I'm positive. That seems a little overstated. While I can see the sun, uh-huh. it doesn't mean that I've had time to get out in that sun so fair enough hopefully, fair enough hopefully yeah. Yeah. between the end of the show and before the sun goes down at 4 30 <laughs> better hurry yeah, yeah uh, i'll find some time to get out there and grab a little bit of that sunshine welcome boy. to agri talk i'm chip that is davis yeah. glad that you were with us uh looking forward to the conversation coming up with brian split here in a little bit we'll get to oliver uh right after the news yeah man well, Chip, wheat futures built on uh, mid-morning gains with short covering, and that was the feature in today's market. March soft red winter wheat futures opened slightly higher and then traded through support at 6 bucks before recovering to post an upside reversal with a high-range close. Today's rally got wheat prices back inside of the 6 to $6.40 trading range. Crop watchers noted improvement in winter wheat crop conditions in December and expect a more active weather pattern with rain and snow in the central and southern plains over the next 10 days. March HRW wheat futures were four and one quarter cents higher today, 625 and three quarters. March SRW wheat up 12 and a quarter, 613 and a half. March spring wheat closed at 711 and one quarter, up two and three quarter cents. Not bad for the wheats, Chip. Yeah, yeah, not bad. But dang, when we're talking about weather in the U.S. on the hard red winter wheat crop on Mm -hmm. the 4th of January, that's how numb the market has become to any headlines, anything coming out of the Black Sea, anything coming out of global trade. Because, I mean, a shot of demand would be spectacular for this market right now. I just don't know if it's going to happen. 
Well, it's March corn futures opened slightly lower and drifted to the downside before recovering to close above the opening range. It was a second consecutive higher close after corn spiked to a contract low yesterday. Short covering provided most of the support for higher prices, with crop watchers noting improved growing conditions in Argentina. Ethanol production in the weekend of December 29 averaged 1.049 million barrels per day. That's down 58,000 barrels from the previous week. Ethanol stocks increased 62,000 barrels to 23.579 million. March corn futures one and one quarter cents higher today, 466 and a half. May corn up a penny at 479. July corn futures closed at 488 and three quarters. That's up a half cent. Chip, that 23 million handle on ethanol stocks is starting yep. to feel a little heavy. Yeah, it's hanging around for a while, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I'd like to get it back into that 21 million handle for sure. Uh, but that slowdown that we had in the weekend of December 29, there's some Christmas disruption on the production side involved sure. there. Sure. Yep. Well, sellers remained in control of the soy complex. March bean futures opened near session highs and closed near session lows while posting the lowest close since June 14. March beans made another new for the move low, but stopped short of a full test of support at the June 26 low of 1262 and a quarter. Later planted soybeans in central Brazil are expected to benefit from improved rainfall chances over the next two weeks. Bean oil futures were pressured by losses in crude oil prices. March bean oil posted an inside trading day with a high range open and a low range close. March beans nine and one half cents lower, 1267 and one half. May soybeans down eight and one half cents to twelve seventy six and one half. July beans closed at twelve eighty three. Chip, that's down eight cents today. Yeah, March soybean meal didn't do anything to help the cause today at all. Uh, closed sl- or should say open slightly lower near session highs. Closed near session lows. New for the for the move. Uh, low close in meal. Yeah. Well, late selling forced the session low close below yesterday's low in March cotton. March cotton was 81 points lower at 80.12. On your livestocks, more pressure on heavyweight choice graded boxed beef prices anchored live cattle mm. futures, even with reports that cash trade is happening at about three bucks above last week's average. February fat cattle were 72 and one half cents lower, 171.12 and a half. March feeders down a buck 37 and one half to 225.65. And on your snout side, lean hog futures took back all of Tuesday's sharp losses. Yeah. Feb hogs 375 higher, 69.05. April contract 275 higher, 74.95. Chip, over to you. All right. Thank you very much, uh, Davis. Let's bring in Oliver Slope, Blue Line Futures. How you doing, Oliver? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too, Chip. Yeah, man. A uh, little bit of short covering goes a long ways in the hog market these days, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it does. Uh, look, at the, look, we're back at prices we haven't seen since Tuesday. So a pretty incredible uh, day in today's <laughs> session. <laughs> li- li- limit up 375. That gives us expanded limits going into uh, tomorrow's trade of 550. Okay. So we'll see if we can't get any follow through. The middle of the recent trading range is right at about 69, which is right you know, where we finished the day. So that's going to be a big hurdle. If we can get out above there, tap in the range comes in closer to 72 so it'll be interesting to see if hogs can get some follow through or not it's one of those markets where um you know i said see a day like this that follow through isn't necessarily guaranteed so uh, we'll see what tomorrow brings yeah this box beef trade is becoming an anchor on live cattle isn't it yeah, it absolutely is. And, and the cattle market just hit uh, a, a bit of a brick wall. Looking yeah. at the April contract, 175, 176. 
that was support back in the first part of November and then was a breakdown point became resistance at the end of November. So I think that's also a psychologically significant level as well. Ultimately, I think we can pull back from these levels, but I don't look for the market to really fall apart and roll over. I think we probably more or less settle into a little bit of a range between 170, 175. Obviously the cash market uh, firming up certainly helps yeah. things a little bit, but um yeah, I, I, I'm not not too up and not too down on cattle right now. Just somewhere right in the middle, Goldilocks yeah. style. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. And it almost feels like we're. It feels like cash cattle could move around quite a bit here over the next couple of weeks, and futures might kind of ignore it. Absolutely. And I think, yeah. um, you know, that that type of mentality, I think, yeah. is true for a lot of these markets. We're just trying to find our sea legs here to start the year. Yep. Yep, I think that's exactly right. Good stuff, Oliver. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you later. You bet. That's Oliver Slope, Blue Line Futures. Okay, uh, it is time for another conversation with Brian Split from agmarket.net. I always look forward to these. I feel like hit the reset mark, hit the reset button on these markets, and and let's just uh, reset the evaluation going forward. We got Brian Split up next. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Knowledge is power. We're here to charge your batteries. Agritalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you are with us. We're going to get into this, straight into it. Jump straight into it. Conversation with Brian Split from AgMarket.net. Brian, Happy New Year, my friend. How are you? Right back at you, Chip. I'm doing great. Thanks. Good, good, good. Glad to hear that. What do you make of the start of the new year here? And extend that backwards a little bit. The end of the old year, the start of the new year. What'd you make of it all? Um, you know, I, I think, I, I guess to answer that, maybe we backtrack even further because, uh, one of the, the themes of the year for 2023 was that analog comparison yes. to 2013. And, and we talked about that early in the year. Yes. Um, so I think there's a couple things that we want to understand about that comparison, why we've made that comparison. And it really starts with the uh, lows that were made in 2010, uh, those were lows that were made in the low $3 area uh, that started the bull market into some highs that were made in, in 2021. That was $7.99 and three quarters. We had pulled back from those highs, made another run up in 2012 from the drought. 
Uh, that was an 843 and three quarter high. And then what happened was 2013 was a transition year from that bull market that began in 2010 to uh, the culmination of that in 2012 on the drought. Uh, and, and from that high in 2013, we transitioned all the way down into the low to mid fours before ultimately bottoming. And we bottomed, and I'm going to uh, uh, foreshadow for next week, we bottomed in 2014 on corn the day of the January report. We made some new yeah. contract lows that morning. We had an outside day higher, and then that started a four-month rally, uh, which was a bear market rally into the spring of 2024. So there's a big double top in the April and May timeframe. Um, so when we think about what we did here recently, we made lows in 2020. That started a bull market that was really uh, generated by some Chinese buying. Uh, we had that derecho that went through Iowa that uh, uh, reduced the uh, size of the crop that year or the available bushels to the market. Uh, we made a major high at 775 in 2021, pulled back. Uh, the rally culminated with the high in 2022, which was the invasion of Ukraine. And then 2023 has been a transition year to a bear market, much like 10 years ago. Yeah. And that relationship has hold, held true. You think about when we uh, had the post-Thanksgiving trade this year, where corn broke into first notice day for the December contract. We did that this year. We did that 10 years ago. We made some intermediate highs in mid-December, pulled back again. Um, and, and so I think that's important to understand is that in this bear market, because of where we're at, we are making lows much later than we typically would. You think about our, our lows uh, in the bull market scenario, we were making those during summer in July or in August. Yeah. Um, and so it's taken a really long time for this market to build its base of support. But I think that's coming. Uh, then you think about soybeans, for example, uh, and, and that correlation to 2013 really didn't start until about August. But in 2013, November soybeans made a high of 1409 and a half. We made the same exact 1409 and a half high this year on November beans. And those highs were one day apart on the calendar, August 27th and 28th. Then you fast forward to this week, for example, and we have March soybeans coming out of the weekend or the, the long holiday First trading day of the year, we're down 24 and a half cents. We see March make a low of 1267 and a quarter that day. You go back 10 years ago, the first trading day of the year, March soybeans in 2014 are down 22 and a half. We're making lows at 1262 and a half. So we're right at the same spot. Um, so I think we're in the process of making lows for these markets. Uh, I do think there's a little bit more downside yet into next week prior to this report. Uh, but I, I think I'm in the in the mindset of looking at some reownership of bushels. Um, maybe some of the, if, if you're into the whole courage call thing for new mm -hmm. crop, I'm going to be looking at those as well. Uh, I'm taking stabs at uh, call options in the soybeans. And here's something really interesting. So beans in 2014 in the March contract, you had that low made early in the year. You got a good run higher on the report, took you up to about 1330. We went back down again late month, retested 1260. And then from that last day of January in 2014, we made a 1260 low. We were trading 1460 by early March. And so, you know, again, these are analog comparisons and, yep. and that does not take into context what's going on. But you think about the damage in Brazil. Uh, we had Eric Snodgrass on our webinar earlier this week. He went over Brazilian weather and his concern is that now that the the rain has turned on, it's going to be too aggressive, torrential. 
Um, and we're looking at potentially double the typical type of rainfall that we would see in the this time of year. So his concern is now shifting towards uh, harvest delays, towards reduction of the quality. Uh, a lot of that early planted stuff that uh, uh, was sitting in hot and dry conditions for several months, this recent rain may not have impacted that portion of the crop as much as we like to think. And I believe as we get into late January, early February, the Brazilian producer is in the field harvesting, um, that we're going to get yield reports that suggest that we are trading a crop that is significantly lower than where the USDA is currently, and I think could be potentially lower than where some of the uh, recent trade rhetoric is. I wouldn't be surprised to see it below 150 for the uh, total Brazil production, and that could very well give us a good rally in February. Okay, what, under 150 is enough to give us a rally? I believe so. Um, okay. And you know, there's going to be another component where even in a bear market, uh, the the yeah. market wants the acres. Um, so we're going to have a period here where yep. uh, soybeans, for example, I, I think for a lot of producers are below their cost of production right now. Some are still above water a little bit. Um, corn is probably a little bit better, but I think the market's going to want to make sure that we get acres planted to uh, to be able to yeah. Uh, uh, be able to go through the growing season without having major concerns of a supply disruption. Okay. All right. Okay. The high end beans, 1409 and a half, one day apart between 13 and 23. You see something like that. And, and the thought has to be, is it really that easy? Well, it's not, I get that, but dang, uh, his history more than rhymed on that one, didn't it? Yeah, it really did. Um, and, and you're right. It's never that easy. Um, you know, you you look at something that happens in the past and it happened for a reason. And, and you get to certain price levels that uh, cause the buyers to pull back interest. Uh, the sellers come in and show up. Um, and one of the things that always happens in the heat of things is there's emotion. So as much as you'd like to say, oh, well, I'm going to sell it there because that's where we made a high, there's still the emotion of the market that uh, that makes it difficult to do that. And that's why there are different tools in the market. You don't have to come in and make a, a hard sale in the cash market. You don't have to be short futures. Um, options are a great tool. You can buy a put, you can put in a floor yeah. and still leave the upside open and, and have that coverage below the market in case it does trade like that previous year. And eventually, I think the comparison will run off the rails and we're not going to trade like a decade ago forever. Uh, but right. until it stops working, I'm going to continue to use that as a, as a yeah. uh, kind of a roadmap, so to speak. Because there is fundamental comparison in the corn market from 23 back to 13. And I'm talking about, it's not just on the production side, but a lot of the pressure in 2013 was, and if you look at it, marketing years, 2012, 13 marketing year, 2022-23 marketing year, the uh, a lot of the pressure was because of export demand just stunk. You know, we gave up 40 years of demand improvement back in, in the 22, excuse me, in the 12-13 marketing year. It wasn't that bad in 22-23, but that corn demand played a huge role in the price pressure that we saw, right? Well, that's one of the mechanisms of the market, right? So why does price go higher? Uh, it goes higher to make it more expensive for buyers and they start to buy less of it and they lose yeah. interest in buying it. And then your buyer lose interest and your sellers come in and say, wow, this is a great price. I need to sell this. So then you have a transition from 
buyers not wanting to buy and sellers really wanting to sell. And that's what turns the market around. Um, and I, I think it's interesting, um, you know, the, the soybeans have a very different balance sheet than corn. We know sure. the corn balance sheet uh, has has shifted from trading the 1.2 to 1.3 type of a carryout for a couple of years in a row to now we're talking over 2 billion bushels. And that's the same type of scenario that we were looking at a decade ago. The bean market has not technically shifted into bear market mode yet. And actually, when you go back to that time frame about 10 years ago, the shift happened in 2014, not 2013, like it did in corn. So um, same thing in in beans. We actually culminated with highs that were made in April and May. uh, And then that was the shift in 2014 from bull market in beans to bear market. Uh, We made it actually above 15 bucks back in 2014. Uh, Just to then by fall, we were trading making lows just above $9, down around the 905 area. Uh, yeah. So think about that. That was an over $6 break from uh, from the highs made in spring to the lows that we were making come fall. Yeah. You, you hate to think that the potential is there for something like that to happen again, but the potential is there for something like that to happen again. Um, and part of the reason behind that could just be the fund money and what funds want to do and how they want to position in this market, which is going to get us over to the charts. And we had the big gap down on in soybeans on Tuesday. Just how much damage did that do to the outlook for the soybean market? Brian, that's the question that we're going to start with when we come back. Uh, we're in the middle of a conversation with Brian Split from agmarket.net right here on Agritalk. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes. Where March hard red winter wheat futures were four and one quarter cents higher, six twenty-five and three quarters. March SRW wheat up twelve and one quarter cents to six thirteen and one half. March corn futures were one and one quarter cents higher at four sixty-six and one half. May corn up a penny, four seventy-nine. March soybean futures nine and one half cents lower today, twelve sixty-seven and one half. May beans were down eight and one half cents to twelve seventy-six and one half. March cotton eighty-one points lower, eighty-twelve. On your livestock's February fat cattle were seventy-two and one half cents lower at one seventy-one twelve and a half. March feeder futures down one thirty-seven and one half to two twenty-five sixty-five. And February lean hogs three dollars seventy-five higher, sixty-nine oh five. Get more market news every market day. Visit tryprofarmer.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. 
Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. The chickens have come home to roost. Find out whose fence they're perched on today on AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip. Glad that you're with us on this uh, Thursday. Uh, we're in the middle of a conversation with Brian Split from AgMarket.net. I was just pulling up AgMarket.net because I wanted to see the the details on this. But you've got a conference coming up soon, don't you? It actually is exactly a month from today. Um, okay. So Sunday, February 4th, and Monday, February 5th, it's going to be in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, that is going to be at the uh, Renaissance Nashville. Um, if any of the listeners are interested, I would tell them to get on the ball. Uh, the block rate for our rooms expired yesterday. Uh, we may be able to have Betsy still get a, a couple of those rooms at that rate. Uh, but uh, our, our attendance is up actually 50% year over year. So we're really happy Ooh. with that. we got a lot of good speakers. So I think it's been a really good event. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Just go to eggmarket.net. You've got the... The uh, link is right at the top of the page and uh, very easy to find there. Uh, let, let's do some chart work here, some more chart work. Uh, this week's gap down in soybeans, how much damage did that cause? I mean, you know, gaps, uh, we, we've seen gaps before in beans. We gapped lower back in July. It, it led to a little bit of a break further after that. Uh, we did recover and. Uh, then we saw a gap higher uh, yeah. in, in August just to fail the day after we gapped higher. Yeah. So I'm not going to say that that ruined uh, the chart for soybeans. And actually, one of the uh, things that you and I have talked about relative to both December corn and then transitioning into March corn is a lower channel line that has held all of these major monthly lows. So we think back all the way to July of 2022 and then the May lows this year or not this year, this is last year now. So yeah. May lows of 23, then the July lows and the August lows and the September lows and then the lows that we had in December uh, or late November. So we're right back to that lower channel line on corn and why I think we're probably going to stay somewhat steady to just kind of a sloppily lower trade uh, for uh, the, the trade leading up into the report. On the soybeans, we had major lows that were made back in August. And then we had major lows that were made back in October. And if you just draw that lower channel line, which by the way, is at the same angle as the highs, right? So we had highs in July, we had highs in August, then we had highs in uh, November. So all those highs are along the same downtrend line. That is the same angle as the lows below the market. And we're right down there at the lower channel line as well uh, on, on March beans. Um, I will tell you that the, um, the charts, there were some head and shoulder patterns that uh, on the old crop that measured down the January contract to about the 1250 zone. Uh, that would suggest that uh, we may retest the fall low in soybeans. Uh, that was the November contract at that point, and that was at the 1250 and a half level. Um, and so uh, maybe a revisit of that uh, would be uh, a point to look at this market seeing another good level of support. And so again, I'm going to go all the way back to 2014. Uh, we had okay. lows that were made in November that year at 1255. So compare that to the lows in, in October this year of 50 and a half. Uh, and then what we did is we came back down and made a secondary low of 1260. So about a nickel above that fall low. Um, so somewhere in this vicinity, I really think this bean market's going to start catching and finding some support. Uh, and then we're going to get that January report next week. And I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if there's some numbers in there uh, that maybe suggest that uh, some of the uh, implied demand in the first quarter uh, of the marketing year 
maybe better than expected. Uh, maybe there's a, a slight revision lower in the um, in the yield for corn and beans to reduce the production a little bit. Um, and I tell you what, if we get a little combination of the two, and maybe we get this old crop uh, corn um, carryout number to get closer to two or even a, a little bit below two, I think that that type of a thing could be the uh, impetus for the funds to want to really cover shorts. And and if you do get a 1.9 number or something like that that's below two, I think that could be pretty aggressive on corn. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. What do you think the odds are that we could get some kind of a even a slight downside reduction in corn and soybean yield? Because I think that you know what? I haven't seen the average trade guesses, Brian, so I don't know this, but I would think that that would surprise the market. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people are going to be leaning on the idea that uh, because of the last uh, couple yield adjustments uh, late in fall were revisions higher in yield, that typically we should see the USDA go in that same direction mm -hmm. on the January report for the final production numbers, uh, which then if you do get a revision lower would make it that much more against the grain uh, and and I think uh, you know cause the uh, the funds to to cover shorts a little yeah. bit more aggressively and and now the funds are short soybeans which we really haven't seen in a while um, and so there's been periods of time where they've dipped their toe in the short side of beans uh, and then very quickly exited and went right back to being long uh, and we could be on the precipice of seeing that here early in the year. Okay, it's a big day on on Friday next week, isn't it? I mean, we we can say oh there's so much other stuff that's going on. But that annual production summary combined with, well, winter wheat seedings and the quarterly grain stocks report, it's got a history of causing some moves, doesn't it? Uh, it really does. And, and it's an important day for me because a lot of uh, what we've talked about today is, is uh, based on the idea of, of that analog comparison. So this is a major event where we saw something happen a decade ago, and this would be maybe a confirmation time frame of whether we're still on that track or not. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's interesting. Interesting. Anything in the corn chart that just makes you go, mm, boy, we need to make note of that. Uh, well, I think one of the things uh, that we've done here over the last several months is is we've kind of just meandered lower. Uh, we haven't seen aggressive new lows and it's been it's been a very uh thing to do to sell new lows in corn so you think about you know you made some lows in july and then you make your lows in august and it's a few cents below your july low and then you make your lows in in september and it's a few cents below your august low and and so forth and so on so selling new lows in corn in this downtrend has not been uh the winning trade it's been selling the bounce um, and so what we have here is we have a, uh, a falling wedge in corn, yeah. um, and, and that type of a position typically, or that type of a, a setup, once we start taking out these downtrends from the wedge is when you're going to start seeing the technical picture turn positive. And I, I would say that maybe the good thing about how we've come down here is that all of these little swing highs that we keep making are a little bit lower and lower. Uh, but the the lows that we're making are are slightly lower as well. So all so what I mean by that is the bar that we need to uh, get back above in order to turn the market back above the last swing high keeps going lower and lower. So it's like um, the the uh, the technical level that will will spur buying from a, a short covering perspective gets to a lower price each time we see the market fail. Uh, so now. You know, it used to be. You think about the October highs. Well, geez, we now, we need to get above 520 in order for the yeah. the market to turn bullish. And then we had some peaks here that were in November around the 495 area. So, all right, well, now it's 495 that we need to get above to get bullish. Right. Uh, now we made some peaks here in late December, and it's 481. So every one of these little failures at a lower level just brings that bar down. So now 
all we need to do is get above 481 to see this market turn technically friendly. Yeah. That's where the the uh, 40-day moving averages as well. Uh, so if we can start pulling all these moving averages down above some of these previous highs, because you get through that, the next level is, oh, well, I want to go back and revisit the early December high around 494. Well, the 100-day moving average is right there. So you're going to start seeing this market line up where, hey, if we take out this peak, we're getting above this moving average. If we take out the next peak, now we're getting through this next moving average. Now it's going to target back up to the 200-day, which is back to those October highs. So I think you could actually, if this market does flip the switch, we could see a very nice stair-step rally where we go to one spot, test it, pull back, revisit support, go through that resistance, push through it fail, mm -hmm. revisit support, and it'll be that nice stair-step rally for the next three to four months. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like the way that you're laying that out. And and really what we're doing is we're just drawing down the level at which the funds are going to start taking some profits out of the market. And and uh, it makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, what's going on in cattle? Here we are bumping up against 175 in the April. So right now, I would say in a very short-term perspective, and this really started uh, about mid-December, we're in this upward trending channel. So it's evident that we made some very strong lows in December. We're in this upward trending channel right now. We've got highs that were made on December 18th. Um, we've got highs that were made here on January 2nd. Uh, that's Both of those are at the upper end of the channel. The low end of the channel would be drawn from the December 15th low to the low that we had on December 26th. So that low end of the channel is going to come in maybe around the 172 area. That's where the 20-day moving average is. So I think in the very short term, a setback down around that 172 area, re revisit the low end of the channel, uh, probably likely. Okay. Uh, in the very biggest of pictures, we've done a lot of comparison on, on corn and beans to about a decade ago. Um, the comparison really is, is fairly simple in cattle, and it's that major high that was made in 2014. That was the record high at the time. And so we made that record high. Uh, and then for the next three months, we set back rather aggressively off that high. And that's essentially exactly what we did this year. In 2014, that that initial peak was made in October. This year it was made in September. So it was a month ahead as far as uh, the, the timing of it uh, year over year. And so we had that three-month pullback. The size of the pullback off the high was very close to being the same amount. And then what we actually did is we had three months of, of some recovery um, and I would say that uh, your primary objective, if you are somebody that needs to take a stance on the short side of the uh, the live cattle or the feeder cattle, is going to be roughly a 62% retracement of the break from the, the new record high to yep. the low that we made in the month of December. That's what we yep. did. We retraced a little over 62% of that break in that uh, from the 2014 highs. Uh, we did that into early part of 2015. So that might suggest that uh, over the course of the first quarter of 2024 that we see some good recovery. I do think we're going to pull back and, and get within uh, maybe five bucks of the lows that we made in December and give you a better spot to take a long approach to the market. Uh, okay. But And, and I, I know a lot of people would love to be a buyer on a dip on this cattle, um, and I think that would be a good objective in the short term. Um, in the very big picture, I'm much more concerned about what happens when we get to that 62% retracement. If we can accomplish that, what happens from that that first quarter or early second quarter high? And then what do we do going into uh, the next year and a half? Because that was an absolutely catastrophic break in both live and feeder cattle uh, from those 2015 highs to the 2016 lows. Yep. Great perspective, Brian, buddy. Hey, thank you so much, man. Always a pleasure, Chip. Thank you, sir. Love it when you're here. That is Brian Split, agmarket.net.
From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. We've cleared the schedule for you. Give us a call at 855-482-5524 and join the conversation. Any sign of Lee Majors over there, Chip, at all? Uh, no. Any sign? Nope. 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 Not at no. all. And the uh-huh. sun uh-huh. is gone. Oh. I can't, eh, I shouldn't say gone. There's still maybe a chance. Oh. You yeah. know what? But, um, okay, I'm looking out the window here too in the city yeah. of fountains. Yes. Uh, it, I, okay, I I think I see what you mean. It's not like overcast and gray. Right. It's almost like sort of overcast and yellowish outside. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's well, not sunny. It's not sunny. It might be that way in the mid in the tropics of the Midwest, but yeah. Yeah. up here it's it's just kind of back to gray. Oh, just gray. Just gray. Oh. Uh. Well, it I mean, didn't last long. Gray matches everything. I mean, there's yeah, that. Well, at least that opens up my schedule for this afternoon. I don't have yeah. to. I don't have to scramble to get outside and catch some sun. <laughs> yeah, forget it. Just forget <laughs> it. Forget it. Um, we had a, a really interesting conversation there with Brian Split, and I want to revisit the conversation that you and he had straight out of the shoot. But before we do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed the conversation with Oliver Slope. I mean, I don't yeah. mean to overhype the show here, but I think we did okay bringing some clarity to these markets. What if cattle futures ignore the cash market, Chip? What will we yeah. do then? What it, do we do yeah. then? Well, I think what we do then is is based on the consolidation that we're seeing right now and based on the, the comments that we got from Brian, uh, the, the market is in a... a short-term, grinded-out, just kind of a shallow uptrend and respecting support levels. That is at least enough encouragement for me to think that the recovery should should be happening. Uh, after that, that complete washout from the September high to the D slow, mm-hmm. uh, getting back 62% of that decline as we did back in 2014, I, that that seems to make some sense to me that we would get a, you know, a significant uh, retracement of the, of the overall decline before we stop re and, and just kind of, uh, 
uh, reset the market at that point. I don't. I don't think you reset after a twenty-five or a thirty-eight or a fifty percent retracement on on that decline. You got to get the big one, the sixty-two percent. Whoa! All right. Um, before time gets away with this, help me with this. Maybe I'm hearing all of this wrong from Brian Split. It sounded to me like he was making the case, and I think it was on corn. I think it was on corn. He was making the case that he he expects prices to move lower, but we should be happy about it because of what it means for the overall market setup. Did I hear that completely corn, wrong? Corn has moved lower. Okay. Established new lines in the sand. Okay. That if you cross yeah. that line, you trigger the uh, the short covering by the funds. So it's not like... Well, hey, you know, if we can get corn all the way down to four bucks, then all you got to do is get to four and a quarter to get <laughs> to get the funds right. excited about a retracement. No, it it uh, you go back to the summer, you had to get above five thirty in December twenty four corn futures before you could turn the outlook bullish. Now we're talking about a you know a four, just call it five bucks mm-hmm. uh, in the D's twenty four contract. So it's it's easier quote-unquote, right. easier to get that uh, that trigger to move funds from, from short into short covering. Okay. But I said it yesterday, and I'm going to say it again right now, there is a big, big, big difference between getting funds out of short positions and getting funds to establish new long positions mm-hmm. the th- they're both buying i get that but funds you look at those commitment of traders reports over the years and you, you know we go into them thinking well you know it looks like it's probably going to be mostly steady on the fund positions because the market hasn't done much this week you get you get the the report out of the way and the funds have co- either covered up a, a big chunk of short positions, liquidated a large chunk of long positions. And then that is offset by what the commercials are doing. Therefore your, your price action is kind of a net nothing. Mm-hmm. We've seen that before. Right. right. So it's, it's not just, it's not just covering shorts. It's the incentive for that money to go from from short to out and then out to long. That's that's what that's the magic sauce. Yeah, yeah right that's there. The stuff right there. Yep. Well, yep. And I would love to talk to you about these analogs in the corn market from 2010 to 2014 because <laughs> there was no discussion of what happened in 15. But I don't think we've got time. Yeah. Because. Yeah, no, uh, I know. The National Weather Service has moved uh, most of the predictions for above normal temperatures out, at least in the 8 to 14 day. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, see, there's still a little bit of above normal in Alaska out onto the western coast of Alaska. (laughs) And then it gets chillier as you you move back toward the Yukon Territories, Chip. Yeah, January 10th through the 14th. Let's just call it areas, yeah, it's a little bit east of the Mississippi. Yeah. But it, mostly areas west of the Mississippi River are going to be looking at below normal temperatures 
for January 10th through the 14th. Highest odds up there in Montana for below normal temperatures. Near normal temperatures over most of Illinois, uh, eastern Wisconsin, and western Michigan into through Indiana, and then back to above normal temperatures in the northeast part of the country. Above normal precipitation over the entire country. Uh, Texas. Except Texas. for the Isthmus of Texas. Yes, Texas is the exception. But, boy, I tell you what, below normal temperatures and above normal precipitation sounds to me like we're going to be looking at some snow. And yeah. uh, we've got snow in the forecast. Don't know exactly where it's going to land here in the Midwest, but snow in the forecast for Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, uh, depending on the timing of it all. All right, we've got the free-for-all tomorrow morning right here on Agritalk.